Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Well, hi, everybody. This is Olympian Jeff Galloway. Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. All right, hold, hold it, hold it. Just just a dad burn, rootin' tootin', rotten thinking, bird chirping minute. Wait a minute. That's my job. That's my job. I'm supposed to welcome people to the podcast. What's going on here, Jeff? Well, I saw my opportunity and I took it. And you went for it. No holding you back. Ah, great. Wonderful. Wonderful. We're, we're excited. We've been talking about this one for weeks, if not months. Our friend Jeff Galloway is here with us. Let me quick go through the roll call. First, we got Lexi. Hi. John. How you doing? Allie. Hi, friends. Jack. Hello. Greg. Hey, hey, hey. And Alicia. Hello. As always, I'm Bob. I'm happy to be here with you. Well, my friends, most of you, if not all of you that listen to this podcast, certainly recognize the name Jeff Galloway. Many of you have had an opportunity to meet him. And I think for a lot of you, he needs no introduction, but I'm going to make an introduction anyway, because it's just a pleasure to know Jeff. And I want to point out some things that maybe, maybe you don't know about Jeff. Now, I think most of you know that Jeff represented the United States in the 1972 Munich Olympics as at the 10K. Uh, You may not know that at one time, Jeff was the American record holder at the 10-mile distance. Lexi, you're heading to Peachtree this weekend? Yes, I am. Did you know who the first winner of the Peachtree Road Race was? Hmm, let me guess. I'll give you a hint. Jeff Galloway? (laughs) Indeed. 1975, wasn't it, Jeff, the first Peachtree? 70. 1970. 1970. Jeff won the first one. Uh, He also opened America's first a road running specialty store, Fidipides. And uh, that original one, Jeff, was in Tallahassee, right? That is correct. You got good uh, information there. Well, you know, I've, I've hung around you a little bit, Jeff. I, pay, I may not look like I'm paying attention, but I do. Great. But as important as all of that is, as outstanding as all of those accomplishments are, the thing that we know him for most is the run-walk-run method and the way he has encouraged hundreds of thousands of us who either thought our running days were behind us or maybe we never would get into distance running. And we learned through Jeff that we could do it. He taught us all a method by which we could finish. We could finish our races upright and with a smile on our face. And we are delighted to have him with us tonight. Jeff, welcome to the show. It is great to be here. And I look forward to a lot of good energy while we're together. I sometimes make the mistake, Jeff, and I alluded to this in the introduction a little bit, of just assuming that everybody knows what Run, Walk, Run is. And while most of our listeners do, 
I had a question that really I thought was pretty pointed. One of my list, one of our listeners wrote and said, Hey, I see a 75 30 run walk ratio. Does that mean you run for 75 minutes and walk for 30 seconds? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, but then I thought about it a little bit and I went, you know, if you're totally unfamiliar with this, that's not really a crazy question. So first Jeff, maybe can you give us a little bit, just give us some background on run, walk, run, how it started, uh, where, where you came up with it and what some of the basics are of run, walk, run. Well, I was definitely the founder of the very first running specialty store. And the reason why there weren't any running stores in existence before then is that it was not financially feasible at the time in 1973 when I opened my store. Uh, and so therefore, I had to do some other things that would uh, keep me able to pay my rent and also uh, allow for the folks to get to know what running was and how to do it. And uh, I had the good fortune of waiting uh, on a customer who conducted a series of classes for a local university that were not for credit. They were open to the community. And he uh, talked me into teaching a class and beginning running. Well, there were 22 that enrolled, and none of them had been doing any running whatsoever. They were true beginners. And I knew that if I wanted to keep them from injury, I needed to put some walking in there, but I didn't have a clue as to how to do it. So I divided the group up into three. It actually naturally uh, happened that way as we ran our first run. The, the, the groups tended to clump together. And I met with each group uh, several times a week independently, one group at a time. And whenever anybody was huffing and puffing, I took a walk break for the whole group. Uh, as a result of doing that, at the end of the class, 10 weeks later, every single one of the members of the class were able to do a 5K or a 10K. But the thing that amazed me is there were no injuries. I had never been with a group of 20 or more runners for two months and not had any injuries at all. And I realized right from that point that the strategic walk breaks could reduce the stress and keep people injury free. So I started using walk breaks with all my beginning groups. A few years later, some of the beginners were getting competitive and were beating a lot of the veterans in town. And the veterans then started coming to me and said, you know, what is this, uh, this walk break uh, run thing? And I said, well, it's called run, walk, run. And uh, it uh, keeps you in your competency zone with running without getting exhausted, hurt, or puking. I'm against all of those. <laughs> As a result, uh, we had a, a just a, from that point on, it was a continuously growing phenomena as people realized that they did not have to be exhausted. They did not have to hurt. They could actually run in a lot of cases when they had developed an injury 
But if they had the right run, walk, run strategy, they could continue to run and let the injury heal. So the, the run, walk, run method is now used around the world uh, by hundreds of thousands of people at any one time. And over the last 20 years, it's been used by millions of people. Uh, initially, people use it to get into running, but the surprising thing is that veterans run faster with it. And the reason is they save their resources, so they're the ones that are running at the end of a race when the others are having to walk or slow down dramatically. It is. It is surprising that you can actually increase your speed by throwing those run, uh, walk breaks in there. And it, it certainly has been proven to work, Jeff. And I don't have to tell you I'm a follower, but we asked our listeners to submit questions. Great. And we've got a bunch of them here. And I'd like to start going through them. And Alicia, why don't you start off? Alicia has some magic mile questions, I think, Jeff. Great. So we've been talking about the run, walk, run method. Um, and if people know that you need to do a magic mile um, to find out your pace. Can you tell us more about the magic mile? And once you have um, that time, what to do with it? Yes. And let me back up just a little bit. The run, walk, run method now is based on more than half a million people who have tried the method, uh, have told me what works based on pace per mile. And I've databased that so that we can pretty accurately tell a person based on what their current ability level is, uh, what amount of running, amount of walking should work. And by the way, 30 seconds is what we found to be the longest walk for benefit. So we've oriented our running segments to coincide with only 30 seconds of walking. Now, the other piece, major piece of the puzzle is, so what is an appropriate pace based on an individual's ability? Well, years ago, more than, uh, well, about 40 years ago, I started using various assessment tools to, to find out what a person should be able to do. And I came up with Magic Mile about 25 years ago because it was the very best and most accurate way to predict what someone was capable of doing. It is a one mile time trial, and we actually have a variation of a half mile time trial now. But uh, take the one mile time trial, uh, a person will run a mile for time, and then they can use our computation function on, at jeffgalloway.com which very accurately is going to predict what the potential is for that person over the next six months of training. And if they do the right training and they have ideal conditions on race day, there's a very high probability that they will achieve their goal. So Jeff, now that we know about the magic mile, should people be doing a magic mile before they start their marathon training? If you don't have any idea that, uh, what type of pace that you should be running on the long runs, then doing a magic mile will help. But you can also use a current 
race that you have run or something that you've run in a race that you've run or a workout uh, run that you've run in the last month or two. And by using that, you can go to our website, pull up the Magic Mile computation function and plug in the time you have for a race and it will back out what your Magic Mile time would be and also predict ahead what your current potential would be. And then as the season goes by, we do want you to do periodical magic miles to see where you are and to see what progress you're making. So whenever you, whenever you have a magic mile, um, you know, if you're following the training plan and you're doing strength training or you're doing nutrition, theoretically you're going to get better and you're going to get more conditioned and you're going to have more endurance. Um, is there a certain point where you should do another magic mile or is it like a certain amount of time that you should wait or just follow what the run Disney training plan says of when to do your magic mile or like, what's the the science behind that? Well, that um, is a very good question. The answer to that is we really want you to do regular magic miles because like any other form of training component, doing it regularly is going to help you become better at doing the magic mile. And then that's going to give you a better prediction at the end of the season. So with each magic mile, well, in the first magic mile, the object is simply to get a time. You're not trying to run all out. You're just trying to get into the flow of what it's like to run a little faster for one mile. Now, from that point, about every second or third week, uh, you can do another magic mile with the goal of beating the time before that. And as you go through the season, you're going to have a series of better times, which, of course, is good for the ego anyway. But most programs do not help people figure out what a realistic pace would be for them in, in the race, the goal race that they're running. We do because of the magic mile. And at, by the end of the season, if you've been training for a certain goal, but the magic mile is not predicting that you're going to run that fast, I strongly recommend that you go with the recommendation of the magic mile because it is more successful in predicting that. Yeah, I found it to be very accurate. You, Jeff, you mentioned for folks in hot weather, there is an alternative to the magic mile. The magic half mile. And uh, there's a uh, computation adjustment you can make. What you do is you run half a mile for time. Uh, and in hot weather, there's not much slowdown on a half mile. There will be a, a decent amount of slowdown on a one mile time trial. So run the half mile, uh, multiply by two, and then add 19 seconds to that to get an equivalent magic mile. Now, all of that said, the pacing of the half mile is going to be faster. That's why you can add that 19 seconds. And be sure that you, when you're doing the addition, that you convert minutes and seconds to minutes and fractions of a minute. 
so that you can uh, get the right uh, computation going. So I actually have a question from Tim and Christine, and they're wondering if you could do the magic mile on a treadmill. And if yes, at what incline setting would you put it at? Treadmills um, can be adjusted, uh, I should say elevated, between 1% and 3% to simulate what a more natural running motion would be when you're running outside. Uh, So I let my people that I coach choose between 1% and 3%. Now that said, if you're running the Magic Mile on a treadmill, you can start out, what I suggest, is you start out at a very slightly slower pace than you ended up with in your last magic mile. But within the first tenth of a mile, you can start picking the pace up. And as the magic mile continues on the treadmill, you can keep going all the way to the end, picking up the pace. And I've had a lot of remarkable magic mile times on treadmills. Interesting. So you said that there's an adjustment for heat. Is there a certain temperature that that you that's whenever you should try to do the half mile instead of the mile? Or is it kind of dependent on the person of what they think they can handle or humidity or? We don't make an adjustment in time for prediction based on heat. The adjustment due to heat is shifting from a one mile magic mile down to a magic half mile because there's very little time that's lost in the heat on a half mile. Now, obviously, you don't want to go out and run even a half mile when it's 95 or 100 degrees outside, but um, you can uh, adjust going up into the 70s, and some runners can run at 80 degree temperature if they're from the south and are used to heat with very little time reduced on a half mile. But the the adjustment then is just to go down from a half mile to, excuse me, from a mile down to a half mile as your assessment tool. So Jeff, now that you know, you've done a beautiful job of telling us all about the magic mile and obviously you know we've run our first one and we have our paces you know, now we want to talk about the, you know, the training aspects. And one of the questions that we got from one of our listeners, Emily, um, her question is if I train two minutes slower than her race pace, she wants some clarification on if I'm training two minutes slower, how am I really going to hit those paces when it comes to race day? Well, first of all, I don't want first timers in like a marathon or a half marathon to try for a time goal the first time. Uh, Just go out, run through your first race, mostly at training run pace, uh, because you need to get used to the racing condition and the pressures that you put on yourself and all of these things that only come out on race day. And so you want to really reduce the variables that you have to deal with by just running the first race in a given distance, uh, just mostly at a training pace, just get through it. Now, once you've done that and you want to set a time goal, 
and you're using the Magic Mile to help you with that. You still want to run the long runs as you suggest, uh, at least two minutes per mile slower than you're currently capable of running in a marathon. Uh, even if you're running the half marathon, there's no penalty to running slower. As a matter of fact, I have coached hundreds of people now through half marathons and marathons that did the majority of their long ones walking only. They had injuries, they had other issues they were dealing with, and they walked the entire distance of long runs. And they got all the endurance that they would have gotten from running or run, walk, run. So uh, there's no pace that's too slow on long runs. You're going to get the same endurance. And the reason for slowing down is to avoid injury and to speed up recovery. Now, once you have done these really slow long runs, you have developed your endurance to top capacity by the end of the season. But if you want to achieve a time goal that is legitimate based on the magic mile, then you also need to do some speed work. And you'll find the speed workouts in my various books, uh, Half Marathon, Year Round uh, Plan, and uh, 5K, 10K, and so forth. But the speed workouts for Half Marathon and Marathon are done on non-long run weekends, and they are prolonged workouts. They are actually a whole lot tougher than any other component of the program by the end of the program because you're running half miles in the half marathon program and you're running one mile repetitions in the marathon training program. Each of those is run at a pace that's 30 seconds per mile faster than your goal pace is in the marathon itself and you're walking three minutes between the half miles in the half marathon program, and you're walking five minutes between the one mile repeats in the marathon program. You start with four of these repetitions, you add two additional ones on each workout, and by the end of the season, the goal is to build up to 14 half miles for the half marathon, or 14 one-mile repetitions for the marathon time goal program. So this is a long way of answering the question of how do you expect to run two minutes per hour faster? You have to do these long workouts, but they give you the stamina at a faster pace than you're going to have to run in the race. And a sustained workout that goes for a couple of hours by the end of the program and prepares you to do that. Hearing you talk about that is actually a wonderful segue into another question that we got from listener Diana. And she wants to know if I shorten my intervals to slow down her pace, she's afraid that if she's running the shorter intervals, when she returns to the longer intervals for, say, you know, practicing race pace or, you know, or for speed work, she's afraid that she's not going to have the endurance. So, so what do you have to say to that in terms of switching back and forth, you know, from those shorter to the longer intervals to match training pace and race pace? This gets into the standard Tuesday workout that you'll see in my 
schedules uh, in the books and the run Disney program and so forth. What I recommend on a Tuesday is to run four to eight, either quarter miles or half miles at the pace that you want to run in your next race. And you would walk three minutes in between. Um, now on though each one of the quarter miles or the half miles, what I also want you to do is try out different run-walk-run strategies because this is an, your R&D, your research and development. By trying several different ones every single Tuesday by the end of the season, you will find certain run-walk-run strategies that are your go-to, that really work for you, that make you feel like you could run forever almost at that given amount of running, amount of walking. Uh, so those are shorter interval segments, but they have a different purpose than the speed work does on the weekend. The different purpose is to get your pace judgment down at the same time that you find run, walk, run segments that can keep you on that pace that you want by the end of the season. Uh, so the other side of the question that was asked is, so then you're going to shift up to longer intervals on the weekend, half miles for the half marathon and one mile repetitions for the marathon. Um, at that point, you have some knowledge of what's been working for you on Tuesday in terms of run, walk, run. So you can find several go-to strategies of run, walk, run that you would use during the speed work on the weekend, on the non-long run weekends. Uh, the difference, though, would be in the amount of walking. And what I recommend is that let's say that you have come up with a strategy that works best for you of running 60 seconds and walking 30 seconds uh, to achieve an 11-minute-per-mile pace, which is your goal. Uh, on the mile repetitions for the, the marathon speed work, I recommend that you would run the 60 seconds that you plan to do in the race, but you only walk 15 to 20 seconds. Why is that? Well, there are two reasons. One is you want the speed workouts to be tougher than the race itself so that you actually feel better when you get into the race. That makes a lot but of sense. The second thing is you've got to make up the extra 30 seconds because you're running those mile repetitions at a faster pace than you're running on Tuesday. Tuesday workouts are run at race pace. The weekend speed workouts are run 30 seconds per mile faster than race pace. And cutting down the walk break, you can uh, achieve that. Jeff, this is all awesome information you're giving us. And I think you also answered a few questions while you were answering that question. I know Allison had asked about hills and, and speed training during the week. And a bunch of people had asked about Tuesday, Thursday training. So that's awesome. My question for you is a call back to what you were saying before. You had mentioned briefly that um, some of the athletes that you've trained could do their long runs as a walk and still be able to complete their marathon 
And my question is for people who might have an unpredictable body, either with a disability or some nagging injuries or having a chronic illness that their body isn't always predictable, should they also just think about walking that long run or should they maybe rest if they're feeling a nagging injury and then adjust their training schedule based on that? What's your advice for that? I'd strongly recommend that they walk because uh, it's very well established that walking is going to give you exactly the same endurance based on the distance covered. So if you have any issues, regardless of what they are, orthopedic or uh, some type of uh, lingering illness or whatever, then walking would be the default mode. And it's all about just going the distance, regardless of how slow you go. Jeff, you know, I've been in that boat personally, and I've done a whole lot of walking. And once again, I will attest that it works. You will get the endurance. Now, a question I get quite often, Jeff, but I want you to answer this one, please. How do I increase my walking speed, especially during the walking intervals? And I got that from several folks here, from Allison and Joe and Lara. They all want to know how to walk a little bit faster, I think with the idea of overall increasing their pace. Okay, um, real simple. There are two drills that also are part of our Galloway program and have been for decades. One is called the cadence drill, and the other one is the acceleration glider. Those drills help you run smoother, more efficiently, and faster. And they fine-tune your running gait and your walking gait to be able to go faster while still being extremely efficient and smooth. But they have to be done every week, uh, at least four of them on Tuesday. And it is also a good idea for more benefit to do at least four of those on Thursday. They don't take much time, but they do amazing things for your form. The cadence drill, though, is the major drill for speeding up your uh, cadence, for increasing your cadence on both the walk and the run. And it's a simple drill. You time yourself for either 15 or 30 seconds. And during our Galloway timer that beeps is the best way to facilitate that because you don't have to look at your watch. You, you're just listening for the beep to start that 15 or 30 seconds, and then you listen to the beep at the end. Um, but during the 15 or 30 seconds, you count how many times your left or your right foot touches. Pick one or the other, because if you try to count both, you'll reach a point where it'll drive you crazy to try to count all those. So anyway, you're in, in terms of the walk or the run in increasing your cadence, uh, you start with whatever the first one is in terms of how many steps you take. You take a 30 second to a minute walk and then you do the second one. And your goal on the second one is to get at least one more count. And then on the third one, Again, your goal is another count uh, and so forth. You go through a set of four to eight of those in a row. And if you do this drill once a week, you're going to have a uh, greater cadence count 
by the end of the season, but you're also going to walk faster if you do it for walking too. So what a lot of folks in, in our program and people that I coach do is they will do the uh, walking cadence drill first and then the running cadence drill and then the acceleration glider. So that's usually the way they do it. Was doing them this morning, Jeff. Chris had them on my schedule, the walking cadence drill. He had me trying to do 45 right feet every 30 seconds. That's hard, buddy. That's hard. (laughs) I got to 44. I was pretty proud of that. That's like my my running cadence. (laughs) It was, it's, it's difficult, but I've practiced it quite a lot, as you all know. The one question that everyone seems to be asking on our forums, our Facebook page is, do I really need to train out to 26 miles? Well, it's all um, about the question that I'll come back with. Um, where do you want to hit the wall? It's <laughs> quite well established that you're going to tend to hit the wall uh, within about a mile or so of your longest long run within the last three to four weeks. So if you want to run a 20 miler as your longest run, expect to hit the wall at 20. And uh, this is one of the greatest fallacies of marathon training. Uh, Coaches will tell their athletes, well, if you run 20, you can go 26. And you can. But boy, it's not pretty. And it is, you you know how long a 10K can be. Well, it's about four times longer in perception at the end of a marathon. And it gets slower and slower and slower. But here's another fact based on our research. When a person who used to run 20 miles goes up to 26, the average improvement is 15 minutes. And when a person who used to run 26 is their longest run, but want to qualify for Boston or run a PR and and follow our advice and go up to 29 miles in in another training program, the average improvement on those three extra miles is 11 minutes. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah, good return investment. A specific question Shalene asks, and it has to do with running 26 miles. She wants to run the Honolulu Marathon as a catered training, training run, but it's one week prior to the 26 mile that's on the training schedule. Uh, I told her she needs to go to Honolulu, but what would she do now? She's going to have an extra taper week. How should she handle that? Well, um, here's the deal. Um, and, and again, I, I base all of this on the research and getting feedback from the half a million plus runners that I have uh, gotten feedback on concerning these various issues that you're bringing up here. And in, in terms of how long a 26 miler can be sustained. Uh, it's, it's four weeks. And um, after that four-week period, if you're talking about five weeks, then you start to lose effectiveness at the rate of about three miles per week. So I'm not sure how many weeks is it between Honolulu and the Walt Disney World Marathon? I, I think it is three I think it's three. It could be four weeks. And if that's the case, that's the last long run. That's fine. Go to Honolulu, Shalene. Enjoy it. Absolutely. 
Okay, Jeff. So we're kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, and I know for a lot of it, well, almost all of us here on the podcast and a lot of our listeners too, we are moving into our first dopey challenge um, at Marathon Weekend. So do you have any specific tips or tricks or um, anything that you think is good for first-time dopiers to know? Yes, um, I will have a little true confession time uh, with you right now. And that is that um, before our, the dopey came out, uh, I had never run the goofy. And um, I actually felt guilty about that because here I was advising people uh, how to train and I had, and, and I, I trained thousands of people individually to do the goofy and I had never done it. Uh, so when the dopey came out, I said, that's it. I'm going to do this. It's going to be one and done, but I'm going to do it. And I did. And, you know, I liked it so much. I did it five years in a row. <laughs> there you go. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> and then I was my way. family had an intervention with me. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know whether um, any of you saw this on the big screens in front, but it was the fifth year that I was running the dopey and it was marathon morning, the last morning. And you have to realize that my major challenge is that I not only do all, did all the races, but I had to rush back to my hotel room shower, eat a quick breakfast, and then be on my feet for eight to 10 hours a day at the expo, giving advice and hopefully coherent advice. And my family members were there, uh, particularly the last day on that, on the Saturdays, and they realized that there was a little mental fog coming on me uh, by Saturday afternoon, and they didn't like to see that. Uh, and so... Uh, they did this intervention and the way it was set up, uh, I didn't know that it was coming on, but I did a, an interview right before the start. And then the scene shifted very quickly to Carissa. And all of a sudden I was looking up at the big screen there and Carissa was interviewing my wife, Barb. And I, I wondered what the heck this was because Barb had never been interviewed before a race like that. And so Carissa got through the interview rather quickly. She said, this is Jeff's fifth uh, year that he's done the dopey. And this is uh, the, the last day of this. What do you think about Jeff doing the dopey? And Barb says, I don't like it. And then uh, <laughs> Carissa said, well, what do you think you ought to do about it? And Barb says, I think he ought to retire from doing the dopey. <laughs> said, well, you heard it, folks. Jeff is going to retire from doing it. <laughs> and that was it. And, and I did. Uh, but um, it uh, is a challenge. Uh, if you can uh, go home, go to your hotel after each uh, race and, uh, mm -hmm. and really relax, it's not the same thing that I went through. And and it's amazing the number of people who are beginners who do the dopey and really don't suffer from doing it. That's been a continuing theme since the beginning of the dopey. But the major 
little secret here is that during the training and during race weekend, the key to the dopey is mostly walking the Saturday, the Saturday uh, sim for the half, and then on race weekend, mostly walking the half. And it's also a good idea to be conservative during the first half of the marathon itself. Quick question on that. Do you mean, when you say mostly walking, do you mean consecutive walking? Like I should walk three quarters of the half and then I could run a little bit or make longer walk intervals and maybe do 10 seconds running, two minutes walking or something? Well, you've got the idea and uh, people do it uh, various ways. There are some fast walkers that will walk all of the first half of the marathon. Uh, And in the half, there are several fast walkers I've talked with that walk the entire half on Saturday. Uh, So that's one way to do it. But the other way is to adjust your run, walk, run, because let's face it, a lot of people can't stay ahead of the balloon ladies unless they have some running in there. So, yeah, I have little legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So instead of doing a, um, uh, say, a, a 30-30 uh, in the half marathon, you drop down to 10 seconds run and 30 seconds walk, or some even down to five seconds run and 30 seconds of walking. My first dopey was 2019. I talked to you before the race and you said, Bob, walk the half. Yep. And I did. <clears throat> Yep. With two exceptions. If there was a downgrade, and there's not a lot of downgrades at Disney World, I would jog the downgrade. The other exception, of course, was every time I saw the photo pass people, I'd break into a run. And, but Can the funny that? part was, oh, yeah. We get back to a hotel, and I was staying at Shades of Green, the Army Hotel there. The lobby is kind of on like a half a floor, and there's a ramp, an incline between the lobby and the second floor. So I walked into the lobby, I got on that incline, and I started running because it was downhill. <laughs> so, All right. But, uh, but yeah, I've been, I've been able to do that, and it works. You can walk the half. Okay, so I know we talked about a little bit about running in the heat, but coming from the north, how do you strategize training for running in the heat when it's cold? You know, uh, some people wear layers. Uh, you don't want to do that on long runs, but... On some uh, shorter runs, uh, you could stage those with more layering so that you are sweating by the end of the run. But again, don't do that on long runs. I mean, there are people that get into heat problems when the temperature is uh, zero to 10 degrees because they have too many layers on. You don't want to do that. Uh, But uh, some uh, sweating mechanism on short runs can help you. Um, The other technique is simply to be more conservative when you come down to Florida from cold temperatures. And the most uh, effective way to control your core body temperature increase is to adjust your run-walk run from the beginning. Because walking does not elevate your core body temperature to dangerous levels, but running does that. And if you only have short running segments, particularly from the beginning, you don't get that uh, elevator boost of your core body temperature uh, early, and therefore it doesn't tend to go to uh, 
to dangerous proportions. I think the other strategy is to pray that Orlando's not 85 or 90 degrees during marathon weekend. (laughs) Yeah, heat is the number one cause of death in running, and it's way ahead of second place. It's it's nothing to mess with. And and so you, you can't be macho on a hot day when you're really not prepared for it. So just walk, cool off as best you can. If you're undergoing the symptoms of heat disease, you need to stop and get help. Um, I have a follow-up heat question, which I think we kind of addressed a little bit, but um, we did it in relation to the Magic Mile. Um, as In regards to training, since we are in the summertime, and at least by August, we're going to be getting on up there in our long runs, Um, is there a certain method, um, to the madness of running in the heat and like, how, how do you know when you need to adjust your intervals or, um, are there signs in the body that come up that's like, oh, I may need to stop and go inside for a little bit. Very good, um, prompting for various issues that I will go through right now, one at a time. First of all, Running in the dark before dawn is the very best time to do long runs. Uh, Our Galloway training programs in Texas and Florida will often get up at three in the morning to start their runs. And uh, that does keep the radiance of the sun away. And therefore, there's just not uh, as much adversity uh, on the long run. The second thing is to adjust temperature due to heat. Once the temperature goes above 60, you're going to increase your core body temperature much more rapidly. And so the uh, rule of thumb based on research is to slow down 30 seconds a mile for every five degrees of temperature increase above 60. That means at 70, you should be running a minute per mile slower on training runs and races then you would be running at 60. And, and it, that continues uh, every five degrees, 30 seconds per mile slower. Um, third, and this is actually quite an effective method, you should use the ice chest cool off method. Uh, get an ice chest full of ice water and uh, run your long runs in short loops. And as you go by uh, the ice chest at the end of a loop, stop and pour two or three cups of ice water over the top of your head and let it soak into your singlet. It is incredible how that helps to cool you off. And uh, then finally, if you are still building up heat, uh, then you could take a break of as much as 30 minutes um, and cool off with a cold shower, whatever it is that that gets you cooled off. uh, And then you can go back and do the next segment. Now, if you uh, stay inside for three to four hours, all bets are off and getting the full benefit of the distance for that day. But 30 minutes is not going to take that away. And you can do some cool-off things that can work. Some people jump in a pool. Um, others really uh, love the uh, cool shower. Uh, there are some people that have a whirlpool-type thing 
and uh, they put uh, ice in the whirlpool and, and jump in there uh, in their breaks. Okay, gang. So we're going to cut it here. Uh, Jeff's got a lot more to say, but we want to divide it up. We'll play the second half of our interview with America's running coach next week. Meanwhile, let's get back to uh, some of our normal, much more mundane type of operations. Uh, John, it's been, because we recorded out of order, it's actually been a couple of weeks since I've asked this question. Got any new reviews? Yes, we do. Hot diggity dog. Here's one for you from his, my favorite. It's Jay Canfield. This group is like family, and so is their Facebook group. Honestly, if you haven't joined, you should. So many warm and fun people. Anywhere, every time I listen, I feel like the group is talking to me, like I'm part of the conversation, even though I'm just listening. They, while being super knowledgeable, don't talk down to anyone or make anyone feel unwelcome. I am super new to podcasts and fairly new to running. A self-proclaimed ex-couch potato, I find the crew funny, easy to listen to, friendly, and approachable. It's quickly become my favorite podcast to listen to, and I can't wait each week until a new episode comes out. Thanks for doing what you do. Can't wait for more. Jeez, that's awesome. That's that's bleeping awesome. Uh, yeah. I... <laughs> we are talking to you, Jake Hanfield. Oh, absolutely we are. Absolutely we are. And, and I mean, you're part of the family. That is absolutely true. But I was about to say that for the second time in one night, I'm virtually speechless. And that's <laughs> that's a big deal, kids. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. Um, and I know, John, you told me already you got a bunch. We're not going to get to all of them tonight. Let's get to another one or two, and then we'll save some for next week. I, I got another good one for you. Just found you and thankful. Midwife runner. I found you all thanks to Joe when he posted something about you in another group. <laughs> Good old Joe. Joe Joe is the best hype man any podcast can ask for. Yes. Yeah. Love the content and the family vibe you bring out over my radio. Getting through the back episodes and feeling like I already know everyone. Jack, I want to say I feel like we are soul sisters on how we choose races. I too registered for a trail race ultra and never looked at the course. Uh, how about that? <laughs> awesome. my, my friend was doing it. So I thought, why not? Uh, I have, le- I have learned my lesson. Maybe keep up the great work. And I hope to meet you at all at wine and dine. Oh, oh yes. My God, you know that's that. awesome. We can't wait to meet you. Oh yes. yeah. You know, you know how much we look forward to that. I promise. You want to do one more John? <laughs> DW for me, rapid fire. Another great episode. It was nice to hear everyone's running journey stories. I did a rapid fire for myself. First time at Disney, 1972. Favorite resort, Old Key West, DVC Home Resort. Favorite race, Star Wars 2019. First race after losing 30 pounds. Did all the races plus the virtual. Walked away with six medals. Best part of races, running with friends. Favorite pre-run food, rice bowls at Animal Kingdom near Avatar? Yeah. Oh, very good. Best ride. Jack, do you, can you guess? I can. Oh. <laughs> Tower of Terror. Tower of Terror. Oh, my God. I get that wrong. <gasps> oh, my gosh. 
Jack, what's wrong with you? <laughs> we all knew that. She, she's still thinking about her soul sister. <laughs> I failed myself. God. Well, that, that was the end of the rapid fire. That was the end of the, that was I, that was pretty cool. I like that. That was really neat the way you uh, the way you did that. We hey, gang, if it's not obvious, we love it. We love the fact that you just you don't have to do this, but you take the time to do it. And we genuinely appreciate it. It makes us feel great. I, and and I don't know, I'm just so happy that people are uh, enjoying what we're doing here. Makes it that much more worthwhile for us. Um, Let's see. We talked about, well, you know, we haven't, we talked about it with Jeff, but we haven't talked about it amongst ourselves yet. Boys and girls, marathon weekend training began this week. It's actually, it's Tuesday right now. It'll be Thursday when this is released. So we are into week one of marathon training. Kids, how's it going? As some of you may know, I never used to do the Galway method. I didn't really understand it. And ever since I started doing Chris Twiggs's um, plan, um, I did my first magic mile, uh, gosh, I think it was in February. And I just did my second ever magic mile and I just want to put this into perspective. When I did my first one, it was like below freezing and I legitimately could not feel my feet. So that was problem number one. <laughs> and the cold was problem number two. So I had an 815 as my magic mile. And I knew like when I was going to do it down here, I was like, dear God, it's like 80. I think I ran that like 85, 86 degrees, but I ran a 706. Oh, very, like, nice. oh, very nice. So like my times are getting closer to what I want for hopefully for my half marathon in October. So crossing my fingers. That's yeah, they're nice. <laughs> awesome, Jack. You know, Chris Yay. goes back and edit all, edits all your training plans and times, and now they're harder. Na 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 na. I know. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's ideal for you. Let's see, John. How you doing with your training? Uh, pretty good. I got out this morning. I took it real easy. I, I walked a little bit more than I should have. Well, not, not should have, but no, it's okay. Uh, cause you know, I'm doing a race Thursday night and I didn't want to yeah. overdo myself. Yeah. Cool. Off to a good start. Alicia, how about you? I've still been doing a lot of walking with Yogi, but I plan to do a run tomorrow. So I good. let you know next time how it goes. Okay. That's, that's good. We're getting there. Greg. So this was my uh, first run post that weird little injury thing I had uh, that I told everybody about the other week and and coming off of a vacation down to Disney. So I feel like all the walking at Disney was a good precursor, you know, to get back into training. Uh, but things went relatively well. I hit my new paces that uh, Coach Twiggs had for me when I did the Magic Mile right before uh, I left for a vacation. So um, you know, I got that runner's high right now, and I'm you know really excited to finish up week one and. Only 28 more to go. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. Uh, where am I going next? Allie. So I went to go see an orthopedic for my knee, and she told me that nothing was torn. Yay. Good. That's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I've just been doing PT, and I'm starting to feel better, and I'm ready to start running next week. Good. Good. Lexi? Well, I did my first training run of dopey training yesterday. And, um, it was, I mean, it, it was pretty great. I, I will say, and I was talking to Allie about this earlier today. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to our listeners for being listeners because not only 
are you my accountability partner? Because I know that I know that so many people are going to be listening to me give a training update. <laughs> so it makes me want to go out and not skip workouts and that kind of stuff. But it's also so much of a community aspect that I know everyone out there, podcast hosts and listeners, you're going to celebrate the wins and empathize with the losses. And that means so much that, you know, even though I might not know you personally, you know, if if you have a win, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. Um, if somebody has an injury, it's like, oh, my, let's let's see what we can do to help you. Um, I know how you feel. <laughs> and that just like. It's just so good for the mental aspects, the mental struggles. And um, I'm just I'm just really appreciative of it. Lexi, that's exactly, that's exactly why we're going around the room and we're going to do this. We were podcasting last year during the race season, but we didn't pick it up at the beginning of the training like we have here. And the reason I'm asking you to do this is exactly what you nailed right there. We're all in this together. And if we can talk about it, talk about how we're doing, I'll get to me in just a second, uh, then I want our listeners to know we're in there with them too. And it starts out, I think this weekend's run is three miles. They start to pick up pretty quickly. As for me, I am still 33 days and seven hours away from being able to run. Um, I'm today, I think I'm four months out from total knee replacement. And uh, so I'm doing pretty good there. I am walking. I'm walking. I've got my walking times up to a little over 30 minutes for Tuesdays and Thursdays. I do have uh, distance walks on the weekend. I think, I think I have three miles this weekend, just like the regular schedule. So I'm trying to keep up with that until I can start running again. So there you have it. That's what we're doing. We hope and we encourage you because the key to this whole thing, whether it's dopey, whether it's a 5k, whether it's a marathon, the key to the whole thing is the training. Do the training. Love race weekend. Okay. Speaking of race weekend, we registered for another race weekend last week. How'd we do kids? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Yes. <laughs> and we knew you would. <laughs> I'm, I'm sizing Bob up for his Tinkerbell wings now. I know. One of my heroes, Tinkerbell. I knew Becky wanted to do the 5K. My wife, Becky, I knew she wanted to do the 5K. We signed up for that. And then I, I signed us both up. And then, honest to goodness, I thought I clicked the fairy tale, fairy tale challenge link, but I didn't. I clicked the half marathon link. So I'm running Friday and Sunday. And I'm okay with that. That'll be all right. But think of all the money you saved by I clicking did. the wrong I link. I did. That was my first clue, Greg. <laughs> Was, you know, I, I didn't realize I had done it and I went to check out and I looked and I went, wow, that's a lot less than I thought. I thought it'd be about $200 more than that. And <laughs> I, I got all kind of went, oh yeah, right, right. It's the rise and run <laughs> discount. There you go. Um, and, and yeah. And, but I really did. Uh, some of you guys talked to me and said, oh, you can go back in and change it. I thought about it. It ends up meaning two fewer medals and two fewer t-shirts. and 
I don't need more medals and more t-shirts. So you, I'll be happy you know to see they'll you get there. it from you anyway. They'll, you'll get some more food. You'll go to a restaurant. Oh, the money? Souvenirs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, so that's what I'm doing. Those two events. My wife's doing the 5K. Um, who else is doing what? I think everybody else is doing everything to include the yoga, right? Uh, I'm doing the half. Oh, just the half, Jack? Yeah. Just, cause, just well, the half. I, I still am really, really not sure if I'm going to do that 100K ultra like the week before. So, I mean, to have the no. half as a nice kind of recovery week might Half's be good. good. Half is good. And of course, uh, it's the only other race weekend that goes through the castle. Yeah. So. You got that half. That's a good one. I'm doing the challenge and Casey, Heidi, and Jen are also all signed up for the challenge. All right. That's, that'll be fun. Listeners, you won't miss them. You'll, you'll hear them at some point <laughs> on the course. <laughs> I say that with a smile on my face. It's a good crew. We have fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a fun group. Let me just pose this question to the viewers and just us in general. Why was registering for this event so easy? Yeah. It is an anniversary weekend. So I'm, I was shocked how easy it was to get in. Uh, was, did anybody, I'm trying to think, do you guys know anybody that didn't make it in? No, I was shocked too. I had no problems making it in. and Like I said, signing everybody else up for it. And everybody that I saw on social media had anxiety that it was going to be like marathon weekend. And it was just like smooth sailing. I know. Run I Disney PTSD it. is a real thing though, folks. Yeah. There's <laughs> right. no memes this time. There's no memes to laugh about. Hey, <laughs> let true. me tell you what. You know, all everything you said is true. But John saved me because I had four browsers open. Oh, yeah. And all four of those browsers didn't move off of longer, greater than an hour. Your estimated wait time is greater than an hour. John sent me a URL. I used it in an incognito window. I got in, I came out. I still had three of my four browsers at an hour plus. So I might have been shut out if John hadn't rescued me on that one. I don't know. It took, I, what, does anybody know what time it sold out at? Was it like after, was it about noon or so? No, I really don't Wasn't know. Wasn't like the first one, like, an hour after, I feel like the five k. I would say the the ten k the ten k went first this time, and then yeah. the five k, which was a little surprising. I don't know, but it's funny that we're our like judgment for like it not selling out quickly now is, oh, it, it took two hours to sell out. What? No, Ali, I was just about ready to say the same thing. It's one of those things where like it, it's unbelievable to think that a stress free registration for a run Disney race is now equated to, oh, it only sold out in two to three hours, you right. know, as opposed to, I mean, yeah. you know, the fiasco for Marathon Weekend. But, you know, it's yeah, I guess that's the way that Run Disney ebbs and flows. Well, yeah. hope, hopefully that Marathon Weekend fiasco is never repeated. Um, and, and we don't know what's going on with Run Disney. We don't know if they're increasing numbers. We, we don't know. So all we know is that we had a relatively smooth time. I, looking on Facebook and on Instagram, didn't see anybody who said, oh, nuts, I got shut out. Uh, I'm sure there are some people maybe who couldn't get into the registration in a timely manner, but it looks like it went a whole lot better. But I think so there's there still go. a lot of charity bibs left over too. So okay. if you didn't get shut out, try one of those avenues. Yeah. And you know what? We, we've got a show coming up on charity bibs. Uh, not until August. 
but we do. So we'll talk about it then. And actually, some of the races have been opening up slowly in, on uh, the website. And if you follow that uh, one Twitter uh, account, at run Diz Reg status, they'll tweet out when bibs open. And uh, sometimes they're there for five minutes and sometimes they're there for 15. Like uh, 10K, 10K opened up again today. Okay. All right. Taking a look at what's coming up next week, Jeff Galloway part two. More from the man himself. Boy, Jeff was wonderful with the amount of time that he gave us. Uh, I will just drop a little behind the scenes look. We had all sorts of technical problems early on and he was a real trooper. He he stayed with us. I might have bailed, but he didn't. He stayed with us the whole time. Um after Jeff, we got our Council of Costumes, Pamela, Cindy, and Kristen joining us in a couple of weeks. The Run Dopey group. I'm looking forward to talking to those folks. That's going to be fun. And then the Castle Runner, Lisa is with us the week after that. So that's what's coming up through most of July. All right, my friends, time to move on to the race report. All right. Now this is going to be a little bit disjointed because again, we had an out of order episode. So I'm going to go back just a little bit and pick up on some runs that are probably a couple of weeks old. I'll start with Lori who ran the Johnny Miles half in New Glasgow, Nova Scotia, said she was a little disappointed with her finish, but she ran a sub-230. Ori, sub-230 half, very good. Again, it's an individual effort, but you can't be too upset with that, I wouldn't think. Our friend Britt up in Fairbanks, Alaska, finished the midnight run sent us some photos. I, the photos, I, I, it's a midnight run, but I mean, it was bright as day. I don't, okay. I get it. I actually lived in Fairbanks for, well, I didn't live in Fairbanks. I lived in Alaska for a while. Uh, and I, they don't actually run that at midnight. I don't think they run it late at night. There's plenty of light. It was Brit's first run since February, her first, uh, racing event since February. Uh, Jennifer finished her first half marathon in Oak, Kala, I forget what day exactly it was. I know it was hot though. I remember looking, I got, holy smokes, that was hot. That's, but you got a cool medal on a hot run and another sub 230 finish. That's a good landmark time for a half. Christie's out, uh, or she was at least, might still be out in California on a vacation with her family. She did a 5K. They had flight troubles, didn't get in till 4 a.m., but still got the 5K in. And if you look at your picture, her pictures there, you'll see that she, it was the race where she nearly caught Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Captain Jack was there looking good. Good news from Allison, her ankle's healing well. Uh, she finished the New York Roadrunners 10K run in Queens. She was complaining about a flat course. I don't remember why. I just made my note here. Allison complained that the course was too flat. There's no such thing as too flat, Allison. Come on. Anyway, Jen did the she power half and missed her PR by eight seconds, which she did okay because she got cake and a huge medal at the finish. Our friend over in the Netherlands, Laura, finished the Loop 5K. Her first run, 
since her their, since their son Walt was born, I think four months ago. Uh, she said it was 85 degrees in the Netherlands at 8.30 p.m. She also told me that my pronunciation on visa loop was pretty good. I got the first part right, and she said, but Americans don't get the double consonant O correct because they pronounce it so differently than the Dutch that they never get it correct, so she gave me a pass on that. And finishing up my list of older runs, Jeff finished another hot race, uh, the... 5K in Fishers, Indiana, had some nice metal photos. I, a lot of runs in Fishers, Indiana. I, I think it's I really cool. Yeah, I it's a, uh, I, I think it's a suburb or it's it's part of the uh, Indianapolis metropolitan area. But yeah, they have, they have a lot of runs there. It must be a big running community. That's pretty cool. On events that we had from last week, we didn't have many. Uh, on June. 25th, the Fit America 10K in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Mark ran that. It was his first live run since Dopey. He put some good pictures up. Our good friend and well-respected coach Chris Twiggs did something absolutely amazing. He ran a 10-mile event, the Trail Town 10 in Ridgeway, Colorado. And at age 51, this flatlander from Florida went to Colorado. He didn't win his age group. He finished first overall. (laughs) Congratulations, Chris. That's bleeping amazing. He talked about it this morning. He said, well, some people weren't there. Well, that's right. They weren't there. (laughs) You finished first. And I also like the fact that his finish time, one hour, 23 minutes, 45 seconds. That's right. One, two, three, four, five. I think he planned that. I mean, and again, it just goes to show you don't have to constantly run to win a race. You can take oh, walk you know breaks and still win the race overall. He he did it with uh, three minutes, 30 second intervals. Wow. Yeah. I know sometimes he does 630s. Yes, I think he does 630s sometimes. Yeah. Because I think he did Boston f- five minutes and then 30 seconds. So it's his, the, the, what he can do is absolutely astonishing. Yeah. That, that was. That was impressive. He didn't, I, I grabbed that from another Facebook site. Chris didn't put that. I used to too humble to do that, but I wanted to brag on him a little bit. Speaking of bragging on somebody a little bit, I've left one run out of here. Somebody was in Reykjavik running another Midnight Sun 10K. Who could that be? It was me. It was Lexi. Tell us about it, Lexi. <laughs> um, it was an amazing race. Um, so I did the Midnight Sun 10K um, in Reykjavik right now. Uh, they are having the Midnight Sun, which in case you don't know what that means, it basically doesn't get dark. So the race started at 9 o'clock p.m. And it was an amazing 44 degrees when we started. And that was like the best part of the race. No, I'm just kidding. But it was amazing. <laughs> Um, I think it's one of the biggest 10Ks in Iceland. I know they have more than a thousand runners, but they had a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon. The half marathon and the 10K were the same course. They just had different turnaround points, which made it super easy for me to do my 
run walk paces um, in another race where nobody did run walk. No, right. For the time limit of the 10K, I only had to break three hours because the half marathoners were coming back around and it didn't matter. So um, I was dead last of the 10K by a solid, like, probably five to 10 minutes. So what? Um, but I made really good friends with the, the, the back biker pacer people, um, which they weren't so much keeping pace as much as they were just marking who the last 10 K person was. (laughs) They they didn't keep pointing at you and stuff. Did they? (laughs) Well, I did. I did apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just keeping with my paces. This race was really interesting because this was my first race at my magic mile paces with C, uh, CTP. So, I maintained what I was supposed to do, which was really nice. Um, I was trying for a 16-minute mile, and I did an average of 16.13. Okay. Um, and I stopped for pictures because oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Iceland. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I call that success. Um, and it was just a race that was pretty much by myself the whole time with beautiful streams and a sunset oh, and yeah. green and waterfall. You're not above the Arctic Circle there, are you? You're just below? I'm just below. Yeah. Yeah, so the yeah. sun actually goes down. It, for like two hours. Oh, yeah. I, the thing I remember most about living way up north is the sunsets are just spectacular. It was amazing. Just amazing because it takes the, – the sun doesn't drop to the horizon. It skims the horizon. So it spends a long time in that area where it turns the clouds pink and purple and it's just gorgeous yeah it was i had a blast i thought it was so fun and um this was also i will also say that i maintained the 1613 average pace after six days of hiking like seven to eight miles per day so i was definitely on tired legs yeah and um it's good it's good legs yeah i was super pleased with how the race came out this one did come with a medal so I have a Reykjavik medal now. Um, and one of cool. the things that I did say, because um, I did do a video for Passport to Run, um, that video will be coming out in, I think, two weeks. For Passport uh, to is Run. what our schedule says. But um, one of the things that I remember saying in it was I was talking about being last. And, you know, whenever you have the opportunity to go do a cool race, whether it be in your own backyard or in another country. It really doesn't matter if you're last or if you're first. What matters is that you're having the experience that you wouldn't get to have any other time. You've done good, Lexi. Yeah. And like capitalizing on that and taking the chance and, um, even if you're slow, like me, go ahead and go do that race just for the heck of it. Absolutely. They did good. Bravo. All right. Let me move on here. we got a long list of runs because we've got a holiday weekend coming up. Not only in the U.S., got a holiday weekend coming up. Our friends up north in Canada also. So we've got a bunch of runs. Uh, let's start 
on June 30th, which is a Thursday night, which is just crazy. Why anybody would run on a Thursday night, I have no idea. But, oh, look, John is. John's running the, <laughs> John's have, running yep. the Brookdale ShopRite, Tom Fleming's Sunset Classic 5-Miler in Bloomfield, New Jersey. So John's running that one on Thursday. Now, uh, our friend Lori in Canada is running on Thursday. Also, part of a two-day event because July 1st, is Canada Day. So I kind of understand that Thursday run. So uh, Lori's running the Epic Canadian in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, a 6.1 kilometer event. And then she's going to follow that up on the 1st with a 10K and a 5K. And I think if you add all three of those together, I think they end up being a half marathon, 21.1 kilometers. I don't know if that's coincidence, but it's a two-day event. So Laurie's doing that in Canada. Um, the Disney Virtual Frozen series, uh, I know, I think it's already begun. I had it down for July. I've got Joe and Margaret running that. We probably have others. Uh, our, our buddy Joy is running a Canada Day run, a 5K run in Amherstburg, Ontario. Canada Day is spelled D apostrophe E-H, not D-A-Y. Day. Canada, Canada Day run. Joy's doing that. Uh, the Land We Love Run 10K in Barrington, Illinois. Mark's doing that one uh, on the 2nd of July. And on the 3rd of July in Arlington Heights, Illinois, Mark is running the Frontier Days Stampede Run 5K. So Mark's doubling up to get some of his, uh, I think Mark's getting ready for Dopey. In fact, I'm almost positive he is. So he's doubling up there to get some miles in. On the 4th of July, one of the country's biggies, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta, Georgia. Jennifer's doing that. Matt's doing that with his 14-year-old daughter. And Lexi's doing that one. That's a hot one, Lexi. <laughs> Usually, I know it's going to be yeah. the complete opposite of the one in Iceland. <laughs> I only did that once many, many years ago, and I was so grateful that I'm very tall because I got to run in the middle of the road and I got to breathe fresh air. Because there's so many people in that event that if you have to get down in amongst them, it's like running in a sauna. You're, you, but but you'll like it. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm in Corral S. <laughs> So yeah. I'm towards the back. F is um, in Frank or S is in Sam? S is in Sam. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a huge run. It's a huge wow. Yeah. They went all to all the way to W. Oh my gosh. The I race know. will be the race will be over. The winner will have crossed by the time they get to like Corral G or H. That's that's how many they send off. Oh yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. But it's it's a it is one of America's great events. It really is. Um, and I, I think you'll enjoy it. The, uh, freedom run 5k in Claremont, Florida, Margaret's running that one, the freedom fest 5k in Greenwood, Arkansas, Joe's doing that one. Joe, Joe spies on Margaret. Okay. And <laughs> if Margaret's running, Joe goes out and he gets a run cause he doesn't want her getting ahead of him. I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, by the way, we're going to add a feature to the race report. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk to one of these folks and see how they did on their runs. I think it'll be fun to get more people involved. 
I'm still not done. On July 4th, the American four-miler in Charlotte, North Carolina. Kristen's running that. On the 4th of July, the 13th annual Independence Day 5K in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Christina and Troy are signed up for that. The July 4th Firecracker 5K in Cranberry Lake, New York. Amy is there. And wrapping this up, Liz has two runs on July 1st, the Deltaville 5K and Kids Fun Run in Deltaville, Virginia. And on July 4th, the Yorktown Independence Day 8K Run Walk in Yorktown, Virginia. I'm tired just calling them all off. And I'm not signed up for any of them, although we have several around here. All right, my friends, it's been a busy episode. Training has begun. It's a long journey. Everyone's excited right now. I understand that. Do your best to keep that level of excitement. But I'm going to tell you, I've done this before. It gets tough. But we'll be here with you. We'll be here to encourage, to push, to support. And we'll get through this. And we'll be out the other side in November and January, and I'm looking forward to that. All righty. That wraps us up for this episode of the Rise and Run podcast. It's been our pleasure. As always, we hope you enjoyed it. And until we meet again, happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.